Hey everyone, you're listening to On Their Behalf, formerly known as DNA, a true crime podcast. Please enjoy. God, I'm so happy wine is present. We're going to need it. Yeah. I need it to tell the story, so you're going to definitely need it to hear it. Great. Okay. Well, welcome to DNA, a oh, true crime podcast. <laughs> Alrighty then. We're right I'm, in there. I'm... Devin, the D. And I'm Asia, the A. And this week, Asia is telling us a story. Yeah, I'm telling you a story that I think you might have heard it already, Mm. but um, I'm not sure. We'll we'll We'll, find out. We'll find out. Before we get into it, we're going to say a disclaimer. This is not for children. This is very much an adult podcast. Yes. This is the stuff we talk about. Just a warning. Yeah. And go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already. Give us a review, all that good stuff. We're Download happy to have you the here. the first two episodes. Yeah, go catch up. Yep. And then you'll have a little more insight into this one. Yeah. And uh, we ready? we ready to go? <laughs> We're ready to go. All the right. one thing I do want to say first mm-hmm. um, is that there's a little warning on top of that oh. for this story. Um, that it's not meant for all ears. And I don't mean that just for like young children. I mean that some people may be a little sensitive to the content I'm talking about. Oh God. Okay. Um, because this story does contain crimes against children. Um, so please use discretion. And I know that Devin and I did at one point loosely agree not to do children, (laughs) but, to be so honest, this was just a story that I could not let go of. Like, mm-hmm. every single time I went to, like, put this away and be like, we're not doing this, I would research something else, and this same, like, a, the same article would pop up, or, mm. um, like, a name would pop up about, like, you know, a missing black woman or a missing minority or whatever mm-hmm. the the location I was looking up. So it was following me. I felt yeah. like it was following me. This is the story of the freeway phantom murders. The Freeway Phantom, a name that was given to the killer by the media, was active in Washington, D.C. from April 1971 through September 1972. However, I don't believe for a second that this was his only Mm. time killing or like the beginning and the end Mm -hmm. of his killings. Uh, During this time, it was a year and five months, the Freeway Phantom would claim the lives of six young women ranging from ages 10 to 18. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, The story takes place in the 70s, so keep in mind this was a time when, like, kids were given a lot of freedom to do whatever they want. They Mm -hmm. were very independent. Um, uh, This was a time when you, like, didn't lock your doors. Yeah. Like, I didn't grow up in that. Like, I remember my parents locking the door, but I do remember it being way more loose. Like, if you forgot to lock the door, who cares, you know? But, Mm -hmm. like, this was a time where, like, 
it didn't matter. You it was know? be suspicious if you did lock your doors. Yes. Like if you locked your doors, you were keeping something <laughs> yeah, in, you yeah. know? Um, and this is also just shy of the three year anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. So mm-hmm. racial inequality is a huge deal. And as we know, it's continuing mm-hmm. to this day. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So let's go with May 1st, 1971 at 2.46 p.m., the body of an African-American girl was found behind the um, St. Elizabeth Hospital. It's uh, right next to the northbound lanes of I-295 in Washington, D.C. Her autopsy confirmed that she had been sexually assaulted, beaten, Mm -hmm. and ultimately strangled to death. She also had citrus fruit in her stomach, Mm -hmm. which was odd because her family was like she didn't have citrus that day like we didn't that's not what we had for for dinner um so orange or something it just said citrus Citrus? fruit um Mm. so and i don't think when they do like stomach contents that they can actually tell it's like unless unless it's whole like Mm. whole pieces of something but they like there was citric acid in her stomach got it got it um which just proves that the killer actually held her and fed her through this time oh jeez um, there were also green synthetic fibers found on her body. Uh, she was fully clothed, but missing her shoes. Mm. Uh, it was revealed that, um, she had only been killed a couple days before her body was found. And this precious little angel was eventually dis- identified as Carol Denise Spinks. She was known mm. as Bebe to Aww. her siblings. Um, she was a shy 13 year old girl um from southeast i also i'm so bad at geography so i'm like where southeast of what Never like where is soggy it waffles okay southeast yeah so southeast okay so the, and that's how the location of all of these young girls are um described they're like southeast or southwest or oh, whatever however okay. the, wh- wherever they were in that mm-hmm. um so she was from southeast um, she was an identical twin. Oh, and oh my God. I know. Um, but she did, her passions were jumping double Dutch rope. Oh, Isn't that the cutest? Baby. Baby. Um, playing jacks and showing off her hula hoop skills. Oh my gosh. Precious baby. I love her. Um, Carol was sent to the local 7-Eleven uh, by her older sister, Valerie, who was 24 at the time. She convinced her to go take the trip, even though their mother, um, Alentine, that's their mm. mother's name, uh, told the younger children not to leave the apartment um, while she was out visiting their aunt. And Valerie had an apartment across the hallway from mm-hmm. them because she was 24, so she had her own apartment. Mm-hmm. And then the kids were in the other apartment. So Valerie convinces her to go take this trip because she's like, if you go, I'll give you $5, pick up you know, bread and milk, and you can get a soda if you mm. go. So yeah, like as a kid, you're like, yeah, yeah. like I don't, of course, yeah. and you know? you're, you're like 13. Yeah, you're like of course you can like manage a trip to Seven Eleven. That's no big deal. Exactly. And even though like the consequences, their mother was very strict. Um, so she knew like by disobeying her mom that like. And her, it was uh, she's one of eight children, so oh like her mom was probably like, "Yeah, don't mess, don't mess around." My mom yeah. had like, <laughs> my mom had four kids, and she was like, 
Uh-uh. <laughs> um, so I could, I could imagine like having eight kids and really needing to be, yeah. but like she, like her method of choice was like, you pick the belt or the whip or the extension cord. Mm-hmm. And that was your punishment. Um, but she's taken this trip to Seven Eleven so many times. It's only four blocks away from their house. Um, but along the way she runs into her mom <gasps> and oh. her mom is pissed. <laughs> so she's like, go to the store and then get your ass back, and then you're gonna pick your punishment. Oh, so she's like, she has I'm to sure. do the chore and and, <laughs> and then also she's like walking into you yeah. Know. Oh, so God. I could imagine what's like running through her head at yeah. that point. Like, let me take my time, yeah. you know, because I don't want to get back home and get in trouble. Yeah. Um, but along, you know, on her way home, unfortunately, she never makes it there because she meets the last person that will see her alive, the freeway phantom. Um, Yeah. Horrible. Her mother files a missing persons report that same night because obviously she just saw her daughter. Mm -hmm. She was supposed to come right back. Like there's like, it doesn't take an hour to walk four blocks. Right. Um, The 7-Eleven clerk did tell police that she saw Carol uh, leave with the bag of stuff. So she knows that she did, they know that she did make it to the Seven Eleven. Mm-hmm. She just didn't make it home from there. Um, and uh, Carol's identical twin sister says that she remembers the detectives knocking on the door and she still dreams of that blood curdling scream oh. her mom makes when they tell her about oh, Carol's no. fate. I know this is hard to hear. I'm so sorry. I'm doing this to you guys too. So <laughs> I sincerely apologize. Uh. Um, so Carol's, this is her twin sister and she, this is, you know, obviously years later and she's saying that, you know, eventually she did turn to drugs and po- prostitution um, because of what happened to her sister. Um, mm. And she, uh, says that she just remembers like sitting on the couch all the time and just feeling like she was losing her mind because like she had just this piece of her that would never be, never come back, you know? Um, so she also did an interview with a WUSA nine. Um, and she says, I still talk to her every day. Basically I just tell her, I hope she's okay. And I'm sure she is. Mm. Oh my God. Uh, Valerie Moore, who was the older sister that sent her to the store, says that she still carries that guilt yeah. that she just, it, you never think. I can't imagine uh, yeah. that. You don't think that like no. uh, something so innocent, something like a, a trip she takes all the time, something that she probably took with her more than once, mm-hmm. um, that she would never see her again. Um, she said that months after even years she would take that same route because she she was like at night and she was afraid um but she said quote i i was afraid but i just wanted to know who did who would do this so she was she was hoping that oh my god by walking the same route that he would come back and pick her up so that she would know who did it um her sister's now she's 71 now so she's make she's giving these interviews like you know 50 years later um she, uh, Evander, uh, Carol's other sister, said that she, at that point she did kind of the opposite thing. She just got really tough, mm. you know, and she's like, it made her very protective of her other sisters and brothers. And she said, I got mean. 
mad and bad. <laughs> if anybody even looked at any of us funny, I was fighting. Mm. And I was like, yep, cool. Yep, that's exactly how I wow. feel like I would react. That's such an interesting, like, look at the way, like, the impact grief has on mm-hmm. individuals. And, like, even though they're all from the same home, yeah. what a different world it creates for each and every mm-hmm. one of them. Yeah. Something they never should have had to deal with. I know. It's terrible. Um, nearly five decades later, Evander Spinks still hopes to tell her sister one more thing. That we know who did this. Um, okay, oh. so about two and a half months later, uh, July 8th, 1971, Darlena Denise Johnson, a 16-year-old African-American girl from Congress Heights, was on her way to her summer job. The Oxon, I hope that's how, I, how you say it, Oxon Hill Recreation Center. Darlenia apparently told her mom she was planning to stay the night over there, like she was going to work all day and then they were having a sleepover for the kids at the rec center oh, okay. so she was going to stay overnight um but she never showed up to work so yeah. her mom wouldn't have noticed mm-hmm. but it was because she didn't show up that they called and they were like where is she she didn't show up mm. um so 11 days later her body was found just 15 feet away from where carol's body was found oh along my the free- god freeway. yeah this is where I like got like I put this case down and then I picked it back up mm-hmm. at like reading about Darlenia and then I got angry and then <laughs> kept reading and then like ugh. and also this case is still unsolved so that's what <sighs> made me even more want to do it because it was like I need like I don't know yeah. how much of an impact I can make about bringing attention to this case but if it's just a little bit yeah like by retelling this story it's good enough for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. So this is where I got real pissed. So um, her body was found 11 days later, um, but police were notified by an anonymous caller about the location of Darlenia's body a week before they went out to find it. Yeah. And the person that made this anonymous call knew certain details about the body and the location of the body that really only the killer would know. And there's why would they conflicting reports? Like some people say that it, like it, it could have been the phantom Uh that was just trying to basically insert himself into the investigation in a way. Yeah. Or it could have just been an anonymous caller that saw the body and just said a bunch of details to whoever. But either way, waiting a week. Why did it take a week? Okay, I'll let you know. So, um, and then another report says that um, two people, even before this happened, called the police about the body, but nothing happened. Uh, Yeah. According to a book called Tantamount, The Pursuit of the Freeway Phantom by Blaine Pardo and Victoria Hester, apparently two officers in a uh, patrol car did respond. They drove by didn't see anything, and then they called dispatch back and said, 10-8, we didn't find anything. Fuck them. Yeah. Wow. Um, Wow. What? Yes. So according to uh, Romaine Jenkins, she's was one of the detectives on the case and somebody who's still involved. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of information from the Washington Post, uh, which is basically 
an article about her because she was on it from the beginning. So I'll reference her a lot mm, and I'll okay. reference her by Jenkins because that's her last name. Mm-hmm. Um, so she said that apparently the officers didn't get out to look. They just drove by, wow. didn't see anything, and then just said, uh, we didn't find anything. So I don't know where that, like why somebody would call because we didn't find anything. I want to be a cop because you don't have to do anything. You yeah. just drive Clearly. around and get a fucking donut. Yeah. That's oh, I didn't see. Are, are you? I'm not kidding, actually. Oh, it's my God. Infuriating. So now you see why I was like, I can't. I have to. Yeah. I have to do this because. It's not like it's like like a, a shoe. No, no. So then now a week later on July 19th. That is so long. That is so long. (laughs) It's too long. It's too long. That's insane. So July 19th, one of the callers, the one of the original callers returns to the location and is like, what the fuck? Good for them. They're like, I called like a week ago about this. Like imagine, imagine being like. Imagine uh, A, finding a body. Yeah. going back because you don't trust the authorities and being proven right. Yes. Holy shit. So he, because now, I mean, this is a little sensitive, but because of the the heat, Mm. the body was rotting. So like they were like, so just angry by the inaction of the police. This man calls again and he, or he saw it and then phoned his friend who was a DC police sergeant. Um, his name was Charles Baden. Um, he was off duty that day, but he was, he said, quote, he told me exactly where it was on the freeway opposite the 295, just North of bowling, bowling air force base. He said, I asked him if he called the police and he said, yeah, a week ago, but nobody came. So officer Baden off duty cop, Gets on his motorcycle and uh. drives the the route, um, drives the shoulder, and until he can conf- until he finds the body, Ugh. um, because it was a week, and plus mm-hmm. she was also she it was, was already like a week. It had already then, been a week since she yeah. yeah. So this made it almost nearly impossible to identify the cause yeah. of death. Even though now that we know she was one of the freeway phantom victims, that most likely what was done to her was done to the last two victims. Um, but still, if or you've one been victim, able I'm to sorry. connect. She's the second. Yeah. If you were able to connect those two and yeah. maybe there was some clue that wasn't destroyed after laying out. For have over you a left, week, yeah. You, have you ever left like a chair in the sun for a week? Yeah. Like, I sat in the sun for, like, literally 20 <laughs> minutes the other day, and my skin was red. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Oh, my God. So, obviously, the body had decomposed faster than it normally would have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they couldn't tell if she was sexually assaulted, as uh, Carol was. But one thing they could confirm was that there were signs of strangulation. Mm-hmm. Um, Darlenia was also found fully clothed, but missing her shoes. Weird. Weird. Um, her, f- her face was so badly decomposed that the medical examiner. Okay. Before I say I this. I just got chills. Yes. Mm. Do you want me to say this is tough? Yeah. Okay. If any listeners don't want to hear, this is not great. So just like 
skip forward like 15 seconds. Um, Her face and body were so badly decomposed that the medical examiner had to cut off her fingers to identify her. Mm. Back then, there was no DNA testing because it was the 70s. So the authorities only had fingerprints to go on Mm. or facial recognition. So that was the only way that they could figure out who she was. How she died couldn't be determined. Uh, Maybe. According to Jenkins, if they had located the body sooner, we could have had an official cause of death. Um, There was a witness to Darlenia's disappearance. Someone reported uh, to have seen um, Darlenia in an old black car driven by an African-American male around the time of her disappearance. Um, According to the Washington Post article that I found with uh, Romaine Jenkins, she said that it was um, eventually found out that uh, her boyfriend, she was with her boyfriend right before she she vanished. Mm. So there's some discrepancy. Yeah. Like, I think what might have happened is that she told her mom she was going to work, but she was meeting him first, yeah. maybe, and then was going to go to work. Yeah. But um, that was something that uh, was not released to the public at the time because the, uh, her boyfriend's mom would not let him testify or not let him speak to the police at all. Mm. So she kind of I mean, kept him. It's not a bad. Yeah. I mean, I could understand yeah. like having my child like involved in something or having seen someone right before they die. And yeah. Being, like, and I obviously don't want... the police work isn't going to be great on this if they let her body stay out. So they're exactly. just going to try to pin it on whoever comes in front of them first. Yeah. So it was, I mean, you know, that, at that point, yeah. uh, everybody was kind of aware what was happening, yeah. um, now being the second um, case on the freeway. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents were warning their children at the time on the southeast. So the killer, his <gasps> next victim, was in the northwest. Um, and just 19 days after um, Darlenia's murder, the freeway phantom strikes again. On July 27th, 1971, around 7 p.m., our youngest victim, mm-hmm. 10-year-old Brenda Faye Crockett, was sent to the store by, store by her mom. When she didn't return, her mom um, and her boyf- boyfriend searched the neighborhood for Brenda. I'm a little confused about why, like, what happens next, mm-hmm. but more on the side of the phantom which i hate giving him like a cool name like that because you're not cool you're actually no. a piece of shit so it should be um, like the coward yeah like something molester. not cool yeah like actually call him what he is yeah he's a fucking murderer yeah about that yeah um so brenda so her mom is out kind of looking around the area as some conflicting reports said that her boyfriend was with her looking mm-hmm. for brenda um and that brenda's little sister was home alone and when i first read that i was like what <laughs> because i was like first of all like what is running through your head as a mom yeah and like that like your child is missing like there's no way i'm leaving my seven-year-old at home like i don't know if if i'm panicking i'm running maybe. out the street i'm not even like but, like, my first thought things. was, like, another kid sitting home alone? Well, like how the fact yeah. that they said, like, home alone, I'm like, oh, no, what's going to happen yeah, to her? Yeah, no, no. So nothing happens to her. Good. But then I did find another report that said that the boyfriend was home with the seven-year-old. So oh, the mom so. was out searching, and the boyfriend was home with, with Brenda's little sister. Um, so Brenda's little sister is home 
um, waiting to see if Brenda shows up. Um, but around 9.20 p.m., the phone rings. And it's Brenda. <gasps> crying on the other line. Oh, my God. And she says, a white man picked me up and I'm headed home now in a cab. Okay. What? First question. Why does he let her call home? Or is it like miss... Is he telling her to say something to get attention Maybe. off him? So that's, I'm, I don't know. So I still, I'm kind of like, I don't think anybody really knows what the deal is here yeah. because so far he hadn't done that for any of the other victims. But if he was the one that did the anonymous call for Carol, True. he is into Maybe. some weird things. Yeah. He wants attention he wants or attention. wants for to sure. get for sure. caught. Maybe. Yeah. So, um, and it's kind of risky, too, and it doesn't really make yeah, sense because no. it's like, at this point, you're literally making contact with yes. with the family. Yes. Um, and, I mean, another, like, it's the 70s, so, like, how is she saying she's headed home in a cab if, and she's talking on the phone? I just think she, that means, like, he's probably being like, I'm going to send you home in a cab. And, like, okay, he's telling, telling her, her Like, feeding her mm-hmm. or, you know... I don't think she's physically in the cab on the phone. Yeah, like I think but, it's like, like a. It's but the way I mean, maybe present the, participle the, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> maybe just because it's just like she's head. I'm headed home in a cab. Means like now in my, I, in my head, I I imagined that he was like the cab's on its way. You're going to be heading home. Let okay. them know that you're on yeah. your way. Okay. Um. So. Oh fuck yeah. Uh, she also tells her sister that she thinks she's in Virginia. Um, but hmm. before before she can, like, her sister can say anything else or anything like that, she just suddenly whispers bye and hangs up. Oh, my God. Ooh, was it a secret phone call? That's what I'm saying. Like, because she's whispering. I still think that she's being told this information yes. by this and person. And it's like, why would he offer up? Called. Why would he offer up that he's a white male? What do you, well, she can see him. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if he's the mean? one that's dictating this to her, why would he oh. tell her to say it's a white man? Which makes me think that it it's not? not because yeah. that way he can throw them off. Because the only reason why I feel like he would do this is because he feels like maybe he could be caught. So he's trying to throw them off. Yeah. But this is oh, why God. I really think that. Because she, she whispers by and hangs up. Um, and... But the calls don't end there. She calls back again. And this time, the boyfriend answers. And she tells him basically the same thing, that a white man took me. I'm headed home in a cab. Um, and she says, and he he asks her, um, like, you know, can you, like, where are you? Like, can uh-huh. I come pick you up? And she says, no. Did my mother see me? What? And then he says, wait a minute, how how could your mom see you if you're in Virginia? And then she uh, just tells him, I'm alone, I'm alone in the house with a white man. And he says, then like silence, and he hears heavy footsteps in the background. And then Brenda whispers, I'll see you. And then the line goes dead. Oh, my God. So... What? Yeah. So the police believe that 
it's the killer forcing her to make this call. Mm-hmm. Was he a cab driver? So Ooh, she maybe. was headed home in a cab? Maybe. And he picked her up in a cab, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But so they think that he's forcing her to make the calls to throw the police off the track. Yeah. Uh, the problem with that is that, like, what track? Like, there, like he knows, obviously, then there, he's killed two people or three people yeah. at this point. Why? Like, there isn't, it's like, just no, a there's weird no track. Game. You know, there's no track. The police no. aren't, like, knocking at his door. The only thing that I think is maybe, like, he did, he picks her up. And when her mom realizes that she's not home and runs out to try to look around the neighborhood, did they see her mom. Her? Because he's got her in the car. So then she's like, that's why she's asking, did my mom see me? Oh, my God. And he knows, the killer knows that, oh, that's her mom. Yeah. So he's asking her to ask him that so that he can tell if he was seen with her. Oh. Which is like, but then that also makes me believe that it's somebody that they know. Right. Because how would he know what her mom is? That's looks like? what I was thinking. Unless she's like, that's my mom. Well, I mean, she could, but then she's but, very calm through this whole thing. So I feel like right. this guy has to be a guy that she. Which, you, to, to be fair, or like, mm-hmm. you know, about the calmness, when people are in a situation like that, especially young kids, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily like they're trustful of adults they're doing what the adult is saying to you know survive or whatever they're not um i don't know if like the immediate fight instinct is like developed in them yeah um because they're taught to be submissive to right right and like respect adult her calmness to me indicates Maybe it's not a white man because if she grew up in a predominantly black area mm-hmm. and was alone in a house with a white man, like I could see why it would be normal yeah. for her to be like, this white dude picked me up. Like, yeah. That's weird. Yeah. But if she's very calm about it. Mm-hmm. And he's just saying to her, seem like this is what you should say when you call your mom. Right. Or when you call home. Ooh, oh it's my so God, weird that's so fucking yeah creepy. i mean if this isn't that and he's not trying to throw the police off then this is just a way to torment the family which we know serial yeah. killers love to do True. um so the next day <sighs> uh which is actually only a couple hours later because at 5 50 a.m hitchhikers find brenda's body along route 50 mm. she is fully clothed with a scarf knotted around her neck mm. but again she's missing her shoes um, like Carol, she was raped, beaten, and strangled. Oh, my God. Also, like uh, Carol, she had uh, the green synthetic fibers on her clothes as well. Um, like a but, shag rug or something? I don't know. And you know what? The, and these little, like, minute details that connect all of them, mm-hmm. just, I mean, I know, I have to remember that this is the 70s, and they don't have the like the technology that we have but now. It seems like it's right there. Yeah. Like they're, yeah. they always get to like just almost figuring yeah. it out or just having the right clue to connect everything. And then it falls apart. Yeah. Um, so Prince George County, uh, homicide detective Hillary, I am not going to try to pronounce your last name, <laughs> sweetheart. I'm so sorry, but I 
think Sikskowski. I'm so sorry. I probably botched that, but I'm so sorry. Okay, but Hillary, she was only 27 at the time, um, said she was there on the scene and said that um, they had to put clear plastic bags over her tiny little hands so that they could preserve the evidence before placing her into the body bag um, because of the way that her body was found. They didn't want to lose any evidence under her nails um she she and also um carol had defensive wounds so they definitely Mm. tried to take a piece out of him good um uh jenkins she also had a theory about the call and she thought that you know that the killer knew brenda and her mom and wanted to find out if she saw you know or he she saw them together Um, because why she said, quote, why would you let her call home? Not once, but twice. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. She said, quote, he had to make sure that her mother didn't see her. Yeah. And I know that for a fact. So yeah. I think, he, I think he's just uh, a, maybe a local guy that like they, you know, I don't know. Um, so Brenda's sister, um, this I'm just doing like a little snippet of like uh, you know siblings and who mm-hmm. are surviving siblings that gave uh, quotes now so almost 50 years later mm-hmm. so Brenda's sister said she started with drugs that year she didn't go to college oh. and became a single mom a month before her 18th birthday oh. she said if she said quote if Brenda was living I would have done everything different I wish I could have grown up with her. We could have encouraged each other to be better women. Mm. Okay, so 10 p.m. on October 1st, 1971, a 16-year-old boy found the still warm body of another young girl who was found on the shoulder of Pennsylvania Avenue in Prince George's County, Maryland. She was later identified as 12-year-old Ninaushima Yates. I'm going to call her Yates from now on because I have a feeling that I'm not saying her name right. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate doing last names because I feel like it kind of makes impersonal. it really, yeah, it's not as personal yeah. and I want them to be called by their first name. So I'm just going to say Yates so I don't uh, make a mistake. Um, so Yates was walking home from Safeway grocery store around 7 p.m. to buy sugar, flour, and paper plates. Her stepmother had just had a baby, mm. and Yates's dad um, needed to be with the, his wife and the newborn at the hospital, so she was going to get stuff for the mm. house. Um, this is after the discovery of uh, Yates's body is when they started to call him the freeway phantom um, because, obviously, mm-hmm. all the bodies were found along a freeway. Mm-hmm. the autopsy revealed like the other victims that she was raped and strangled mm. she was also fully clothed um with her shoes missing what is that about i don't know i don't they still don't know they still have no idea trophies and, must be right i don't know because you'll Foot, later on okay. it, okay. it it, it I'll sort, let you tell the story, yeah I guess. <laughs> thanks <laughs> um uh, there were also green fibers found on her body as well and a witness claims to have seen Yates get into a blue Volkswagen, which earlier they black. said Darlenia was yeah. in a black car with an African-American man. 
So it's what very conflicting happening? reports. I don't know. I can't, I can't figure out like what I can't find. And I, you also can't find, um, any documents like containing any like, um, statements because like, obviously yeah, I'm not a police officer, so I can't like access that stuff. And shit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but like, I don't know, like it doesn't show whether any of these, um, like, reports were ever followed up on or if those mm. leads were ever carried out they did uh search for the car but that ended up leading nowhere mm. um and throughout le- reading about all of these these cases i was thinking like did like what did he say to them yeah you know well, like the citrus fruit with uh carol i was like did he like have some- have yeah. And a nice juicy orange. And he was like, hey, do you want some? I don't know. Because Come look uh, in my trunk. I got it, more. You know what the thing that bothers me a little bit is because I, they're, they're all young. So I get that. Yes. Um, but some are a little bit older. So you would think that there would be a little less um, like credulous. What? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, at, for a 10 year old, yes, you could say like, hey, I have candy or I have a present. Um, or your mom sent me to pick you up or whatever. But a well, 16 year old. If he knew Brenda, it wouldn't be that hard True. to get her. Yeah. But this is also the time where people would just like give each other rides down to the yeah. store. It was no big deal. Like you mm-hmm. said, people didn't lock their doors. Yeah. People would get right. Like hitchhiking was an actual thing that m- more people hitchhiked than were murdered hitchhiking. You yeah. know? Yeah. Like enough people were murdered that now we don't hitchhike anymore. Yeah. But. Like people, people mm-hmm. did that because yeah. not everybody had. Cars. I mean, and there wasn't many witnesses to the cases yeah. or to like the abductions themselves, and none of. But when there are, they don't say anything about a struggle. So no. they got in willingly. So it's like, what are they? What is he offering? Is he offering them something they can't refuse, and that's why they get in yeah. without a problem? But it's also like these are the stories. Why now, women and. We yeah. teach our kids to not do this. Mm-hmm. This is still a new thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, true. So. And this is, they they, they do coin this as the first serial killer of Washington, D.C. They had not oh. seen something like this yeah. before. Yeah. So I could also understand why some of the, like, the police didn't treat this as seriously as they should have in the beginning. Because it was like, oh, this is just a one-off thing. Like, you know but yeah. after after the third i'm pretty sure we have a problem dude. Yeah. yeah um so a month and a half later it's now november 15th 1971 brenda denise woodward an 18 year old from baltimore another brenda we'll get into that <gasps> um She's from Baltimore. She boards a bus to head home from dinner with a friend um, to Maryland Avenue where she lived. It's about 8.30 p.m. So the next day, six hours later, her body is discovered by uh, Chevrolet police officer David Norman. He was 22. Mm. All these young people yeah, finding all the bodies. And the question. young police officers, too. Yeah. 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 Um, was Brenda at dinner with a friend or was she on the bus with a friend she was she boarded a bus after having dinner with a friend okay got it. yeah okay. so she had dinner with a friend and then got on the bus and headed to maryland avenue okay. um so six hours later her body was discovered by david norman 
just off the ramp of Route 202. He said, I I shined my flashlight in her eyes to see if there was life. There was nothing. Mm. Um, this Her situation was a little bit different than the other women. Uh, Brenda was also stabbed multiple times and mm. strangled. He's evolving. Um, mm. Uh, the de- she had defensive wounds on her hands as well, so it confirmed that she she fought her attacker. I wish I wish everybody could see my face right now. Yeah, I hate this guy so much. Me too. I like oh yeah. I don't even know what to say. You know, Go I think on. this is one of those cases where you just don't have anything to say it's just, because it's yeah. just you it's, are just evil. Yeah, like there's no. Yeah other way to describe yeah it's almost like do this the unsolved ones Mm -hmm. we don't get a chance to like kind of like explain away yeah the history of abuse and all this stuff Mm -hmm. because like that like the why of the killer sometimes make it it easier to to swallow yeah yeah and when it's unsolved it's just like pure all we have to go on is the act itself which is just pure Mm -hmm. evil and so unfathomable. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. I don't really, like, I don't really have any words other than what people put in these articles yeah. to say about it. Because yeah. it's just heart-wrenching. Um, so she was also found fully clothed, but she was wearing her shoes. So just a little mm-hmm. differences that I don't understand. She... Uh, also had a, a a coat placed over her her chest with a note in the pocket. What? Mm-hmm. So Ooh, this, I hate him. <laughs> you're gonna hate him even oh. more in a second. So the note read, "This is tantamount to my insensitivity to people, especially women. I will admit to the others when you catch me, if you can." Oh. Signed, Freeway Phantom. Oh. Oh, so, oh, fuck this guy. So, (laughs) I know, get mad. mm, I want you to. mm, mm. So, oh, so the fucking media. Mm -hmm. mm, (laughs) You're about to come out of your seat. I cannot believe this. They brand him the Freeway Phantom. And then he's like, oh, hello, I'm going to come out and I'm going to claim this. If you fuck, what fucking nerve. And then to use her. Yeah. Like as a like, calling card. Yeah. Like, oh, hi, this is my business card. It's a human body. Mm-hmm. He uses Are her like she's a fucking dove me? that he's like strapping something to her to send a message. And it's ridiculous. And I do want to kind of break it down. Wow. Because I did copy and paste what Wikipedia had as the like what the letter said. OK. Which is weird because Wikipedia had the note like rewritten and certain letters were capitalized and certain um letters were Was it mimicking his handwriting no because i found the actual <gasps> note oh god and it's not like that but for some reason Weird. on wikipedia it's done okay. like that okay. but you know who like anybody Whatever. can update yeah. Yeah. wikipedia so if you want to see the picture of the note um i'll post it on uh our instagram at dna underscore podcast uh also the word insensitivity is spelled wrong so because he's an idiot yeah he's not i don't think he's smart 
but I, I think I say that about everybody yeah. that we talk about. The word choice in that is interesting. In the like note because tantamount, it sounds tantamount. tantamount to my sensitivity. It sounds like somebody who like doesn't quite know what the words mean, mm-hmm. but is trying to be very eloquent. Like, yeah, and sound smarter yes. than he is, for sure. Yes. Like, almost like if in the 70s we had like a thesaurus. Yeah. Like, that yeah. he used a stupid well, word. Thesaurus. No, but like existed. where he could have like just clicked oh, on the thing oh, and said, oh, like this word, in, I want to yeah, find yeah, yeah. a different word that sounds smarter because I do that I a lot in my writing. So I'm like, oh, like, that word means the same thing. I was like, you know, they had the sword. No, no, I do know that. I'm just saying like as easy as yes. it would have been like writing this note yes. that he could just click on that word and be like, oh, here's a smarter yeah. word I this could use. equals my hate. Yeah. This is tantamount to my sensitivity. Yeah. He's an idiot. Fuck this guy. Um, so insensitivity is spelled wrong. Um, and he's also taunting the police and he's pretty much like admitting that there's more women out there that he's, he's attacked and he's going to keep doing it and he's going to keep doing it if they can catch him. But you know what fucking grinds my gears is that he uses the name. No. Well, yes. Listen, every bit of this grinds my gears, Okay, but that they didn't catch him. I know. And this fucking idiot is smarter than all the police in the whole world in 1971. Somehow he fucking eluded them by not being smart. You have to follow the rules if you're a cop. Well, I don't know. I mean, that could be a a gray area. You could spend a year talking about that. Yeah, true. Whatever. Anyways, 10 seasons of our podcast. We'll be able to cover that. Yeah. Um, Stay tuned. Yeah. (laughs) So, and like you said, the most annoying part of it is that he signs it, the Freeway Phantom. Mm -hmm. But what's really annoying to me is that he signs it Free-Way Phantom. Don't go throwing hyphens where they're not needed. Yeah. Like, what? (laughs) Like, why? This is what I mean, though. This guy has no idea what the fuck he's doing. No. It's a guy who thinks he wants to be smarter, Mm -hmm. but he's a real idiot. Yeah. Like, Freeway is one word, dude. One way. One way. One no, way. freeway has two ways. There's one word. Yeah, it's <laughs> one word. Ways. It's two ways. Um, <laughs> I've been dealing with hyphens my whole life. I know. You yeah, don't, it's in your name. Don't mess with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the police do test the note and they match it to other uh, things written by, um, by Brenda. And <gasps> Brenda's the one that wrote the note. It's like the call. Mm-hmm. It's the call, but with the note. Yes. Oh, so wait, was I just making fun of the way she wrote? No. So they think that he dictated to her exactly Free how he wanted. Dash way. Like he spelled everything out. The why way. do they think that? Because well, here. So they okay. say. <laughs> so they also concluded that the letter was most likely dictated by uh, the freeway phantom to Brenda, mm-hmm. and she hand wrote it. They also speculate that because the note didn't indicate any duress that she may have known him and he was just t- because he like think about it like if somebody you know is asking you to write a letter because yeah. nothing in that really is uh, i mean t- like his incense she's she's 18 so she knows yeah you know yeah yeah so i, I mean i guess i guess you can explain it away yeah you can yeah, yeah. um and because what they're saying is that the, because her normal handwriting 
and the like handwriting like whatever they found mm-hmm. to match it to this note it's exactly the it same it wasn't like shaky so it, it wasn't, wasn't shaky it wasn't you know and there was punctuation mm-hmm. and there was no signs that she was nervous while she was writing this oh note my God. so they think that like the reason that she was so comfortable writing something like this was because she knew him who would all of these young girls know from all around the city like a know. bus driver i don't know well jenkins said that like the one thing that i kind of love her she's such a badass but she was just like just think about it like would you calmly be writing a letter to somebody that uh kidnapped and assaulted you so she didn't think that she was being kidnapped yeah so that's why this didn't mean anything to her like she didn't know that something was wrong until it was wrong yeah so um that like that's I'm, I'm having the same questions of like who is this guy brenda faye crockett mm-hmm. was the one that made the phone call the 10 year old she she's the one that made the call right and the thing that kind of doesn't make sense to my theory that he like they all know him mm-hmm. is because then why on the phone did she, not, she say not say who it was who it was yeah unless i mean well he's forcing her to say that he's a white man and yes. he's not. And- I I researched this when mm-hmm. I was working on a different case about why, like, why didn't, you know, Elizabeth Smart run when they went to the library? Like, mm-hmm. why don't people, like, take those opportunities? Mm-hmm. And they are, are in a mindset of, like, I'm going to do what this person wants and then I'm not going to make them mad and then they'll let me go. Yeah. If, if... Because even if if Brenda at 10 years old didn't fully understand what was going on, mm-hmm. she knew not to make him mad. And she knew she would know that if she said his name, it would make him mad, which would put her in Into more danger. trouble. Yeah. So I get why she wouldn't mm-hmm. have said that, because it would have been like she had a chance to get out. Yeah. She thought she was going home at least yeah. a bit of her thought she was mm-hmm. going home and he was feeding her that sense of right. security that yes. wasn't really there so and she so and she thought she was going home she's like oh i can tell him when i get home yeah like what happened yeah. i i just i i don't know i just have this feeling that like this guy's got to be a local man that wouldn't immediately well, he knows set the off. area too yeah like he yeah. wouldn't like you know maybe he's just like if the, somebody saw a white man driving down that street like mm-hmm. they would know yeah something was up yeah you know i think that's why it was more like he was just a guy that like i love your theory of like the bus driver because yeah it's some you know somebody that that. they a face that they always see a face that wouldn't like if he was to offer them something like Mm -hmm. a ride home Mm -hmm. of course they're gonna take it because this is a guy that they doesn't set off red flags and nothing feels wrong until Mm -hmm. it goes wrong right so yeah, I, 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 I stand by that, even though that there's some things that can yeah. basically prove my, my theory wrong. Sure. Um, so we're almost done. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, final known victim, um, air quoting that because I don't think that this was the first or last yeah. that he, he committed. I, I honestly think that like, either he died mm. or he moved but i mean i wouldn't be upset he if he went died to jail for something else or he went to jail for something else or he moved and continued his evil bullshit yeah. elsewhere but like let's hope that didn't happen 
um, anyway, so his his last known victim was claimed almost a year later. So he took a wow. huge break between that. Or didn't. Or didn't, and we yeah. just don't know who those women are. Yeah. Um, this uh, was Diane Denise Williams. Body was found on uh, September 6th, 1972, in the early hours of the morning by a trucker who pulled over. Uh, she was 17 years old. Mm. She attended the Baloo High School. Um, the night before, she made dinner for her family and then went to her boyfriend's house. Um, her, uh, She was last seen um, getting on a bus home around 11, 20 p.m. So she cooked p- dinner for her p- family, mm-hmm. went to her boyfriend's house, and then 11, 20 p.m. she got on a bus to go back home. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was only a couple blocks from his house. Her body was found hours later, strangled, dumped, uh, and dumped along the I-295, also where Carol mm. was, was dumped as well. Um, she was fully clothed, and you guessed it. She didn't have shoes on. Green fibers? Green fibers as well. Um, there weren't any signs of sexual assault, which is different from the mm-hmm. other women, but they did find traces of semen, which they assumed came from her boyfriend mm-hmm. because she was with him before. Um, I don't think that they asked him though, because I've like mm. dug deep into like trying to find even his name and there's nothing. Yeah. If he was underage too, though, maybe they yeah. tend yeah. to be. So, um, I mean, who knows? But I feel yeah. like, so why wouldn't they just ask him if they had sex? Right. You know? Um, but then they also didn't test the semen either because they didn't have a way to do that. Right. So yeah. then what was the point, I guess, to, to bring that up at all? Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I wonder if his car had a green, like his trunk. Maybe. Was lined with like a green mm-hmm. felty thing. Maybe. Um there was a reinvestigation um, that was opened by uh, Romaine Jen- uh, Jenkins, mm-hmm. um, which is where she learned um, that uh, Johnson's mom got odd phone calls during the time of her daughter missing. Oh, God. Um, and Williams' parents, uh, Brenda Williams, or Diane Denise Williams, mm-hmm. uh, her parents also received calls uh, with the caller saying, I killed your daughter. Oh, my God. What? And it's like, but she didn't find this out until the reinvestigation. So this didn't come out in the beginning. This came out years later. Why wouldn't they say that? I don't know. Maybe they did and it just didn't get it to did, her. Yeah, maybe. <gasps> um, so he so he either knew them or made them give him the family's phone, phone number. Well, I, I'm thinking like in the 70s. I guess you could look people up. Yeah, we, and can you call? You would still know their name, you know? You True, still yeah. To get information. Is it, I don't know, like in the 70s, did you like call, could you call the operator and they connect you? Is that something that was still oh, done maybe, then? yeah. Because that would be a, a very easy way to not be traced and not be like. Well, they have, couldn't like trace it. True. Anyway. Yeah. But like to not but have yeah. like a direct line to anybody is to just say yeah. like, hey, um, I want to be connected to the uh, Williams home. Um, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so oh, Patricia Williams fuck. did, who is uh, Diane Denise Williams' sister. Mm-hmm. Um, she did an interview um, for WUSA 9 as well in 2008. 
uh, she became a police officer. Oh, um, yes, Patricia, we love And you. she said, I want him to come out and say, I did it. She's like, I've always wished that while I was in the police department that a case would, um, or this a case would bring her to, to some information that would help solve her sister's mm. case. And she wanted to be um, a part of, you know, the investigation and be a key role in closing it. Mm-hmm. Um, she later married and, um, has three kids. Uh, one of her, her daughter's middle names is Diane. Um, her mother, Margaret Williams is now 83. She still lives in the Haley Terrace home. Margaret told her at one point that she will never be the same again, that it Mm. took everything out of her. It's terrible. Oh my God. So, uh, I just, he just is a coward. Yeah. It's he ridiculous. Is absolute coward. So just a few things from the investigation that I just wanted to point out. So, um, I got most of this information from the Washington post article about Romaine Jenkins and a book, uh, called tantamount the pursuit of the freeway colors. So they found out that the killer most likely bathed all of the victims before disposing of their body. Mm. Um, Pardo, one of the authors of the book, said, quote, I it could be he was trying to wash himself of the guilt from killing these young girls. Mm. But it's also possible that he was aware of police techniques in the 1970s and he was trying to wash away any trace evidence, but not realizing that when he threw the girls on the floor in wherever he Mm -hmm. was that he they were picking up trace evidence Mm -hmm. so the green fibers could have come from you know like a bathroom mat or Mm. the uh, floor of his car or just a rug in his apartment or home that he was washing them to kind of get rid of any evidence but then within transferring them to dump them they picked up these trace fibers it worked because even with the trace fibers he was never found yes so um yeah uh, the ge- geographic epicenter of all the crimes, so the anchor point um, for where the, the victor- victims lived and where they were abducted and where their bodies were found, were all near the Elizabeth's Mental Hospital. Or, I'm sorry, St. Elizabeth's Mental Hospital. Mm. So uh, Hester, one of the other authors of the book, said, quote, he had to have known the neighborhood very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, police could never gather enough ev- evidence mm-hmm. to like point towards anybody specific. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did question a man um, who owned a teen club where Darlenia Johnson hung out a lot. Um, and another um, witness had allegedly saw Johnson in, um, in a car similar to this guy's car uh, around that time. So that's why they, they yeah. tried to, you know, put those two together but it ended up going nowhere but the police did use sodium pentothenol i can't i don't mm, know if i'm saying i don't that know right. what that is um it's truth serum <gasps> am i saying that wrong no Pen- i don't know pent- like what pentothal pentothal sorry sodium pentothal. i think you mean veritaserum from harry potter yeah <laughs> But it was like the first time that they've used what? they used truth serum and but he passed, I guess, so they cleared him. 
1990, Jenkins saw the hairs and fibers and handwritten note that were found um, in Woodard's pocket. Um, and now that there's uh, DNA testing, <gasps> she pressed for them to uh, retest it. Mm-hmm. But the law, law enforcement uh, law enforcement had done such a poor job preser- preserving all of it that nothing could be done. Oh, so they can't tri- they can't test any of the the stuff that they have because the evidence was either mishandled not, and yeah and mishandled or it was destroyed COVID. or completely thrown out. Wow! Like so many different detectives were involved in this case, mm-hmm. and usually, I mean, back then, what they did was there was no like chain of evidence kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. you files and evidence and stuff like that were kept with the um, people that were on the case, mm-hmm. but it was such a long time that so many it passed so many hands that people just started throwing things out. Wow. Like they just didn't handle the evidence right. Yeah. Um, And she said that like literally nobody knows where the evidence is to even test it. Even if they could. Yeah. They don't know where it is. It is astounding how many cases that 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 comes up. Which is like if you think about like the physical... How, how many bankers boxes was that? And like mm-hmm. how many warehouses full of evidence? And then what is your system for tracking yeah. things in the 70s? Like you need a full like staff of hundreds and thousands of square yeah. feet of space to keep all the mm-hmm. evidence in all places. But you would think a case like this yeah. would be a perfect time no. to save things. No. Wow. I actually, I listened to, um, because... Uh, the murder squad did an episode on this as well. Mm. And like either they're more about like web sleuthing and stuff like that. So if that's your jam, go for it. Um, (laughs) But uh, they talk about this as well. And it's really interesting to see the, or hear the point of view from a detective. And Mm. I think it was Paul holes who was like, like the guy that took down the golden state killer, by the way. Oh my gosh. Um, Fangirls. Oh my God. Um, He, you know, he he's like, he's always going to be on the side of, you know, law enforcement because that's, sure. you know, where he comes from. Yeah. Like, that's his blood. But, you know, he does explain that after so many times of, like, he's been to warehouses where there's, like, an inch thick of dust on top of uh. these banker boxes that, like no one's touched in years and years mm-hmm. and years. And sometimes like he, he did mention like, I, I don't remember what case he was talking about, but he was talking about how he was on a case a while back where they knew where the evidence and the files had ended up, mm. but that storage room flooded at some <gasps> point. So then they had to get rid of all of it yeah. because there was either way it was contaminated. Yeah. So they couldn't do anything about it. So it's just like situations like that that happen and they don't mm-hmm. have the manpower. They don't have the people. They don't have the money and, and the manpower to like keep up with this yeah. stuff. Um, but then um, I think it was Billy Jensen. I'm not sure what which one of them said what, but he was like, yeah, but I pretty much what you just said which was just like i feel like with a a case like this you just shouldn't throw shit out yeah like how about that (laughs) like i understand that things happen revolutionary idea but like how about we just don't throw things out yeah okay um so uh, tommy musgrove he was a uh retired police detective said quote which we've all thought this 
throughout this case, but those black girls didn't mean anything to anybody. And I'm talking about the police department. If those girls had been white with blonde hair and blue eyes, they would have had put more manpower on this. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So I just want to outline some of the known suspects. And um, Mm. one of the uh, known, like, persons of interest or like people that they uh, pretty much went real hard trying to figure out if they did it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the green Vega rapists were Mm. kind of a thing, I guess, in Washington, D.C. in the 70s. So apparently they, there was a couple of suspects um, who were a part of the green Vega rapists and like a group of rapists. Yeah. Like it was a gang. And that's what they did as a gang. Oh God. Um, probably one of the worst gang. I mean, gangs aren't great. No, but <laughs> this is not a good gang to be a no. part of. Um, so the members of this gang were uh, responsible for rapes and abductions surrounding the Maryland and Washington D.C. area, and the Green Vega gang members were interviewed by the MP uh, D.C. homicide detectives, and they had to go to Lorton um, prison in Virginia because they were all there serving sentences for (laughs) past rapes and abductions that they committed. So, Mm. so they were all sentenced um, for those crimes. um, But during the interview, one of the members pointed the finger at another gang member who he said, told him he was involved in the phantom murders. And Mm. he gave information about one of the freeway phantom homicides um the inmate he, he implicated was also serving a sentence there as well um and he agreed to give this information but only if he could remain anonymous which i think i would do too because as a gang member and yeah, you're like you're snitching snitch? like Are you kidding me snitches get stitches kind of thing nothing from takashi 69 yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um the police obviously agreed to that uh, i feel that like you know especially in the prison system, like, and they're all in the same prison. Like it would be kind of easy to figure out. Like, obviously one of you guys said something kind of thing. So I don't really know his, his tactic there was to like protect himself, but I feel like he threw himself under the bus regardless. Obviously an idiot. If he's part of a rape gang. Yeah. Um, I don't believe this. I have a hard time believing just Mm -hmm. categorically inmates who are like oh i have information about this other thing it's this other guy and it don't tell them it was me yeah because inmates have so much to gain by giving up other information that a lot of times people will just say whatever yeah yeah so i don't know about that well he does identify him he gives information the date and the location of the crime um he gives specific details that would were not provided to the public Mm. um and this information that they he gives them the detectives were like well it was only us or the person that killed them would know this information and that information did check out like it was Mm. right so um do you think it was more than one person or copycat yeah that like snuck in and did one but the fight like the green fibers but not all of the women had green fibers and if Mm, you remember correctly one of the girls did have her shoes on so it and could have been just that like, was the one that claimed they don't his name in the note right yes mm-hmm. mm. so it's like maybe i'm not sure but um, and she was the one that was stabbed yes the only one that was stabbed huh. 
Do you know which case this guy gave information? No, it doesn't say. Hmm. I couldn't find curious, anything. Curious, curious, curious. Yeah. Um, he did, like you just said, say, I wasn't involved at all. <laughs> I was just told about this. Mm-hmm. And he did give an alibi and it checked out. So they were like, okay. Was it prison? Um, was it jail? No. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't say specifically because he, w- he asked to be anonymous. Yeah, so they yeah, don't yeah. say his name anywhere um but during this time there was an election going on in maryland and one of the candidates publicly announced that a break in the freeway phantom case occurred and what that one of the inmates from lorton prison had given given major information that (laughs) that led to an arrest or will lead to an arrest and after that announcement the inmate would no longer cooperate So he declined any further interviews. Oh, he also oh recanted his statement yeah. because he was like, I don't know what you're talking get about. Murdered. Yeah. So like that kind of threw oh. a wrench in the whole thing. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so Louis Richardson, one of the detectives that inter- interviewed this um, inmate, went to his deathbed believing that they were responsible. But really? um, mm. Jenkins does... She's like, uh, she doesn't know. She's like th- that the consensus at that time was that like, you know, the information that men provided to the police did come from some reports. So like they could have mm-hmm. pieced all this together to try to get like something off of their his sentence mm-hmm. for I his past if, crimes. Yeah, exactly. And then once that the- came out, because he tried to probably tried to do this under the table without mm-hmm. the other gang members knowing well, that yeah. he did this. And then once that it was publicly announced that like an inmate in this prison yeah. was doing, he was like, then oh, like then you he backed said, out. it would be easy to pinpoint. Yeah. I wonder too, if in their questioning, cause they were arrested for similar kind of things. Mm-hmm. I bet detectives were trying to feed them and poke mm-hmm. and gave them information and was, tr- you know, trying to lead in, uh, interrogations in a way. So maybe yeah. they picked up on information about this other case about the murders mm-hmm through that because that's a tactic that people can use Mm -hmm. and you know police will kind of do anything to and at this point i guess they're like six victims in they're like okay we got to figure this out and we'll try to do what we can to pin it on whoever Mm -hmm. you know um Hmm. so they also knew like they also it came out later that he didn't know anything about the note which oh, that feels was the like, one that I was like, if yeah. there was a copycat, it would be her. Yeah. So like, if he didn't know anything about the note, then maybe this yeah. was just something that he was just lucky by, you know, yeah. saying certain things that ended up matching up. Right. Um, also, none of the hair samples from the men matched the hairs that were found on the victims. So, mm. um, t- uh, another um. Uh, suspect or, or suspects, I should say, Edward Sullivan and Tommy Simons. Or, sorry, Simmons. <laughs> uh, Sullivan and Simmons were two ex-cops who were arrested for the murder of um, Angela Denise Barnes. Angela was 14 years old and mm. was thought to be the seventh victim of the freeway phantom, but it was later determined by authorities that Angela was not one of the victims of the phantom or the freeway phantom, and they ended up moving on to other leads what um was that why how did they determine that i couldn't find anything (sighs) and i couldn't find 
Um, but then like two when you look up, cops were arrested. Mm-hmm, that they they were arrested for her murder, and because of the what? Denise, which I'll get into, they thought like she was a one lot of, their... of name repetitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just doesn't make sense how this guy eluded the police for this whole time. It just boggles my mind, especially mm-hmm. with like the amount of investigators that were involved, and so many tips came in. Like they had a hotline sp- set up that, by the way, is still set up. <gasps> um. I, I didn't call. No? Should we call? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not helping. No, because we're not helping anything. That's no. what I was like. But I didn't call it. Yeah, I, I just know call. that there's one. I didn't call. <laughs> <laughs> I sounded really guilty for a second. <laughs> I didn't call. Your eyes got real well, big. Because cause your, your face was like, and I, I was like, I didn't call. I thought you were trying to read my mind. I swear I didn't call. Because I don't want to, you know, unless I have some information. I don't think you would have called without me. No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, So... Uh, and this, like the, I think the thing that pisses me off more than like the fact that there was so many, there's so many things involved. There's so many police officers involved. There's so many tips coming in, but like, I get tips not leading anywhere. Like I understand Mm -hmm. that, but to have evidence and it just disappears or people don't handle it well like that's the part that pisses me off the most yeah. so like they're doing their jobs but they're doing it half ass which is yeah. the thing that pisses me off the yeah. most so um the strongest suspect that they have is robert askins it's so always a robert i know don't, I don't ever know name your kid a robert or like let him fall off a sp- like if your kid has a head injury when he's a little boy yes or girl and pees the bed and starts, and starts fires setting things on fire. Tortures animals. You failed. <laughs> like yeah, because you're like a serial killer. Yeah, because that is literally the yep. the what is it? The mocktail or the cocktail of a killer? The mocktail of a killer. Non alcoholic version. Non alcoholic version of a killer. Oh my gosh! For the record, I can't think of anybody else named Robert that's a murderer. So. Yeah. Okay. Robert Durst. There, I did it. Okay. okay go good. ahead. All right. All right. So maybe <laughs> some people can name yeah. their kid Robert. Yeah. Here and there. Uh, the strongest suspect was Robert Askins, a computer technician and former patient of Elizabeth's mm. uh, mental hospital. Wait, was he black or white? Uh, I don't know, actually. It, I couldn't mm. find his race anywhere. Okay. In... Yeah, I, I actually, I don't know. So, yeah, I have no Do you idea. know why he was in the mental hospital? Yeah, so he served time there um, for a, for poisoning and killing a, a D.C. prostitute in 1938. Okay. And then uh, he was... Re- he was definitely white. Because if he did that and he were black in 1938, he would have just gone straight to jail or like been fucking lynched or something true like there's no way that a white guy would mm-hmm. or a black guy would get off on an insanity defense yeah okay so solved yeah okay so he <laughs> most likely most he's likely white he's white yes because he he was let out so he was let out and he was let out yeah after wow. because, like over, for like a legal technicality he was let out wow. from the mental institution wow. in okay. 1958 so so he did like tw- oh he did 20 years in a mental mm-hmm. Institute? And then they let him out. And then, so that was what? How many years? Well, 
I don't know if he went later, there. It was 1971. Yeah, so I don't know if he went there to the mental institution um, or the mental hospital in 1938, but he poisoned the prostitute in 1938. Oh, I see. So I don't know how long it took mm. them to... But you're right. They wouldn't have really spent that much time and, like... No you know, resources. He, yeah, Not that would've. that's, like, a cakewalk or a nice place to be. No, but... but you know, but then to be let out twenty years later because of yeah, just illegal technicality. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's definitely white. Yeah, I, I, I. Now that I'm like, I, I didn't research that, but yeah, he has mm-hmm. to be. There's no way. Yeah, Askins um, sounds like a white name. Yeah, Askins. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so most likely he's white. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, he was interviewed about his involvement in the unrelated uh, rapes, and uh, that's when they learned about the the prison time, mm. um, or the like the time right. that he he spent in the mental hospital. Uh, in March 1977, um, Davis, uh, a DC, uh, the Lloyd Davis, he's a detective, um, got a superior court judge to sign a search warrant. The police searched Askins' uh, row house and found, um, you know, pretty much a bunch of, like, like you know, women's clothes, scarves, mm. stuff like that, uh, photos of young girls, a mm. knife that he used in another crime, an essay from a little girl that they can't, they don't know who, oh you God. know, who she was. Um, but they also found um, a bunch of uh, documents that he hand wrote using the word tantamount a lot oh um so they also found um like old um like letters like in jeans and pockets of his that also used the word tantamount a lot wow um it's such an odd word for somebody to use like all the time so yeah yeah, so it's just like of course that's like something that links them they're like "Mm, this is probably the guy um they also interviewed um, people that he, he worked with and people at the mental hospital. And um, they said, quote, Askins is known to use the word tantamount when attempting to um, describe the stress and importance of matters related to his work and lifestyle. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, so according to uh, investigators, he uh, the reason that this is still something that you know, the case is still open, but, um, like they're pressing it is because they know that he kept, uh, textbooks from some of the girls. Um, one of the girls had pink curlers in her hair at the time. And when she was found, uh, when her body was found, she didn't have the curlers in her hair anymore. Mm. So they think that maybe he kept them as, um, trophies, uh, shoelaces, stuff like that. So they know that he has, or used to keep mm-hmm. these things and for the most part would not throw them away, you know? So they're like pressing people to like, you know, pay attention to these things. Like if you have, you know, a family member who has these items and you're like, what the, why would they keep this stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, what is this? Oh, that could be so a way creepy. to, you know, identify yeah. who, who they were. Um, so the uh, the Metropolitan Police Department years ago, like, was like, we're not investigating this anymore. Like, it's done. We don't mm. have any leads. We, the evidence is gone. You know, we, well, there's nothing we can do. 
Um, but some retired investigators are still, you know, even though they don't work anymore, they're like, we, this is something that haunts us and we will forever yeah. want to be involved and try to help find the killers. Um, and uh, with the current ev- evidence that they have, or or should I say that they have left, that wasn't destroyed or thrown out, um, they, they, have, they do have some of it. Um, so that's why the case is somewhat still open like it's been closed and reopened several times um but it is it's remains a cold case at the mp dc homicide division there is also still a hundred and fifty thousand dollar reward open for the apprehension of the killer um Mm. so there i did find a associated press article by don mcleod saying Mm -hmm. quote Similarity is the catchword of this phrase. Four victims had the middle name Denise. <gasps> One of them with the similar sounding last name of Dennis. Two shared the first name of Brenda. And all were doing normal things like running errands, shopping, or just walking home. Something they did every day. So this makes me think oh, that this guy was watching them. They knew him. He was somebody local. He was somebody that, like, a face that wouldn't, like, send off any red flags. Mm -hmm. And he watched them Mm -hmm. closely all the time. So he knew when he could catch them in such a vulnerable place where he could just take them. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, Murder Squad did this episode as well. So if you want to hear about, um, you know, like, the perspective of a detective, Mm -hmm. like, that's a really great episode. They did a live episode back in December, I think. Um, and if sleuthing's your thing, that's also <laughs> what they do. So I also, um, their website, I have, I'll have it in our source sources as well, because I did, um, take this little piece from their website. So one of the assignments that they gave their, um, listeners was they want help, um, writing letters to the DC Metro police to, um, in, to test the, um, evidence that they do have. Oh, wow. That's great. Let's write a letter. Yeah. So you can, um, send a letter to 300 Indiana Ave. Um, I'll also link that in our, um, in our sources and on our Instagram. So you can do that as well. There's also an email address that I will also post so that people can email it. Um, and then when you send it, Take a photo, tag us in it so we know you did it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And we'll post when we do it. Yeah. Um, I do want to end with a little bit from um, Jenkins. Um, She said the inability to solve the case took something out of her. Um, She's been retired since 1994, but she says uh, the girls are still with her. Mm. And uh, she declares that she will search for answers as long as her heart continues to beat. Mm. Um, she said, quote, what happens? She was asked this question, like what happens when people like her and the families are gone? And she said, quote, this will just all be forgotten. Oh my God. And that made me cry. Mm -hmm. I'm probably crying right now. Um, but I do, I like, I pray that this doesn't like get forgotten because, you know, these girls, still like even then they needed somebody fighting for them Mm -hmm. and they still need someone fighting for them and even if the killer is like dead and gone you know like we want to find answers and closure to give the peace 
that this these precious little girls and their families deserve yeah thank you for telling that story it's hard but yeah yeah This week's episode was written by Asia Hamilton and edited by Devin Balsamo-Gillis with music by Holly Amber Church. Please rate, review, subscribe, and download this episode. And please go back and listen to the first two episodes. If you want more information, you can follow us on Instagram at DNA underscore podcast and tune in next week as we tell a story together again. Thanks for listening. See you you next time. time.